Our text is one short verse out of Psalm 119, verse 105. 105. Reads as follows, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's our text. In the name of Jesus, amen. In one of his books, J.I. Packer tells the story about a street preacher who before he would preach, he would throw his hat down on the pavement and he would begin to circle around it and say, it's alive, it's alive. And eventually a crowd would gather around wondering what in the world is he doing and why is he saying that? And once the crowd was there, then he would pick up his hat and underneath, of course, was his Bible. And then he would begin to preach the Bible. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, is the Bible. Surveys show that 92% of Americans have a Bible in their home, and that most have even three versions or translations of that Bible. It is still the world's bestseller when it comes to books. It is held in high esteem, of course. You know, our president, the chief justices always place their hand on the Bible when they swear that they're going to uphold the Constitution. Two-thirds of Americans, even when questions say, you know, the Bible answers the great questions of life. And yet, and yet in spite of all of this, religious pollster George Gallup has made this statement. The Bible, he says, Bible illiteracy is rampant in America. The Bible, he says, is the best-selling, least read, and least understood book. We revere the Bible, he says, we just don't read it. Evidence, of course, one Gallup poll shows that fewer than half Think of this, fewer than half of the people know what the first book of the Bible is. And that when asked who preached the Sermon on the Mount, the most quoted answer is Billy Graham when it comes to Americans. Two-thirds of Americans think that Billy Graham was the one who preached the Sermon on the Mount. 12% thought that Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. 80% of people, even so-called born-again Christians, were quite sure that God helps those who help themselves as found in the Bible. They just didn't know where. And even this, of 1,089 Christians who attend church regularly, When surveyed, 607 of them, 55% of them, have never read the entire Bible, never read it all the way through. Now, I don't know how we would come out here at Trinity in these questions and so on and so forth, but I think it's time to talk about the Bible again. And we're going to talk about it this morning in this way. We're going to look at the what of the Bible. What is it? And finally, we're going to look then also as why did God give it to us in the first place? And thirdly, we're going to look at how to use it, how to use it. I pray God's blessing upon my speaking and your hearing. First of all, what is the Bible? Very simply, it is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. From Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through Revelation chapter 22, 21, it is God's Word. Now, it's a collection of books, of course. It's a library of books written by 40 different men over 1,600 years of time. And yet... All of those men were inspired, we say, by God 
to write what they wrote. And what we mean by that, of course, is that God gave to the writers of the Bible the thoughts and the ideas that they wrote, but he also gave to them the very words in which they expressed those thoughts and ideas so that every word there finally comes from God. Second Peter says it in this way. Peter, in his second epistle, says it this way. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but man spoke from God, men spoke from God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul brought out the same truth. He was writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy. All Scripture, he said, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. And listen to this. This is from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And listen to what the Apostle Paul says here. He says this in Second in First Corinthians. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. And we confess this every time we confess the Nicene Creed. When we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit who spoke by the prophets, we're saying that God has finally communicated to us through the prophets. Now, listen to this too, though. These are quotes now I'm coming, that are coming from various uh, theologians in our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. This is from Franz Pieper, who was one of the great theologians of the last century. He wrote at one time, in considering the question how far in Scripture the inspiration extends, we underline the word all. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, that's very important to note today because there are many denominations today who no longer say God's, the Bible is God's Word. They are now saying the Bible contains God's Word. And once you come to that point where you say the Bible contains the Word of God, then you can begin to decide what is the Word of God and what is not the Word of God. And you can look at this and you can say, well, that's not really the Word of God. That's simply the Word of men shaped by the culture of the time, and you can dismiss that. Or you can look at this and you can say, well, that's not really the Word of God. That's just the idea of so-and-so. And so once you begin to say it contains the Word of God, then you have the right to select what you believe is truly the Word of God, and you can dismiss the rest of it. So it is truly so important, and that's why we say the Bible is the Word of God. One of the professors at my own time at the seminary, J.T. Mueller, wrote this. The inspired authors were not dead or mechanical, but living instruments endowed with intelligence and will and employing a definite style and using their own particular mode of expression. And I like this. Listen to this. This comes from a man by the name of Doc, Dr. George Steckhart, who was also a professor at the seminary, given by inspiration of God. What does that mean? About as follows. That does not mean that God dictated the Bible for men after the fashion of the teacher who dictates something to little boys and girls, or that God called, these, called out these words and the holy writers wrote them down thoughtlessly, but it does mean that God really inspired all the words of Scripture, infused them into the minds of the holy writers, gave them into their heart and pen, 
spoke and pronounced to them inwardly what they should write and did write. Just look at our text, he says. It is written, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And then listen to this. This comes from Theodore N. Gelder. He sums it up in a very beautiful way. He says, inspiration then is a miraculous, a supernatural process. Men cannot comprehend it. The Bible itself is a miracle of miraculous origin. The results of direct, immediate, unique operation of God. What is the Bible? The Bible is the Word of God. Listen, Martin Luther wrote this. Let the man who would hear God speak read Holy Scripture. If you want to hear God speak to you, simply open your Bible and read. And then listen to this. This is Jesus now talking. And he's talking to the Sadducees. They deny the resurrection. And he's talking to them about the resurrection. And he says this. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, the God of Jacob. Listen to what he says. He says to them, Have you not read what God has said? And then he quotes from Genesis. Jesus very very emphatically pointing to the fact that in Genesis, the one who is speaking is not simply Moses, but the one who is speaking is God himself. And so you come back to the question, well, what is the Bible? And finally you come with this answer. It is the miraculous, inspired, inerrant word of God. Now, the big question is, why does he give it to us? Why is there a Bible? Why is there a Bible? Why did he give this book to his people? Why did he give it to the world? And why did he give it to you and to me? The answer is very simple. He gave it to you and me, number one, because he loves us. You see, God has given you the Bible because He loves you. Because He wants to talk to you. Because He wants to communicate with you. That's the primary reason why God has given us the Bible. Because He loves us. Goodness. And He gives it to us because He wants us to have the truth about the big questions of life. And there's all kinds of big questions in life and you have to answer them in one way or another. And how you answer the big questions shapes your life now and shapes your future. How you answer the big questions of life shapes your life right now and shapes your life in the future. And if you answer those questions according to the world or according to the devil, your life is going to be a messed up life. It's that simple. And God doesn't want you to have a messed up life. God loves you. And so he gives to you his word so that you can answer the big questions of life. And the big questions are these. How is one saved? How is one saved? The most important question in life is, how does one get to heaven? How does one get to heaven? And how does one live a full and rich and righteous life? Well, these are big questions when it comes to life. Where did I come from? Why am I here? 
Who finally am I? Why is there anything? Why is there a universe? Why is there a world? Why is there people? People. Why is there love? Why is there that question in itself? Why is there anything? It's such a tremendous question. And how you answer it determines how you live your life. Huh? Other big questions. Is this all there is? Or this. Why death? Why is there such a thing as death? And what happens after death? What's that really about? And why is there good and bad? Why is there such a thing as evil and bad? And what is the purpose of my life? What is the purpose of my life? And unless I have answers to these questions, I'm going to be groping into the darkness trying to find the answers. Because every human being has to come up with answers to these questions. And if he does not go to God's Word to find answers to these questions, he's going to be groping in the darkness trying to find the answers, and he's going to come up with answers that the devil gives him, the world gives him, and those answers are going to be no answers at all, and they are going to finally mess up one's life. And so God comes, you see, because he loves us. And he wants us to have a beautiful life. He wants us to have a good life. He wants us to have a happy life. So he comes to us and he says, listen, this is how it is. And here are the answers to all of these questions. Huh? So that we don't stumble and grope around. Huh? And that's what our text says. Listen to what our text says and why it says it. It's talking about God's Word. And it says, it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. When that was written in the Old Testament way, way back, people were groping in the darkness, trying to find out what's it all about. And finally the scriptures come along and say, here is what it's all about. Now, the second reason why God gives us his book is he wants us to know Jesus Christ, the greatest and most wondrous man who ever lived. The only man who ever said, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise in three days, the only man who ever said anything like that and then pulled it off. God wants us to know about his son. He wants us to know about Jesus Christ. Listen, this is John twenty thirty one. But these are written, the words of Scripture, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And the only place you're ever going to discover that God loves you is in the Bible. Which says, so God loved, so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So that all through scriptures you're finding out about Jesus Christ. You're starting in Genesis already and all the way through Revelation you're learning about Jesus Christ. The Old Testament, the Gospel, the Epistles all are talking about Jesus Christ and so that's the reason that he, he wants us to know about Jesus. Because he's the way and the truth and the life. He's the way to heaven. He's the way through which I receive forgiveness. All of these things. God wants us to know this person, Jesus Christ. That's what the whole Bible is about. And finally, 
God wants me to see how he works in my life. And so he gives me all these stories. And these stories in the Bible are not simply so you're going to know some history. You see, God wants you to know about Abraham. He wants you to know about Isaac and Jacob. He wants you to know about Moses. He wants you to know about Gideon. He wants you to know about Job. He wants you to know about all of these people, not simply because you, he wants you to know some history. He wants you to know their, their stories because God works in your life in the same way that he worked in the life of those folks. So that knowing the story of Abraham when I suddenly discover the God of Abraham at work in my life in the same way, I wake up and I say, you know something? God is working in my life just like he worked in Abraham's life. Or when my life is falling apart and there's affliction and the roof is caving in and I read the story of Job, I suddenly realize that God is working in my life and will work in my life just like he worked in the life of Job. And so I learn how God works in the lives of people by knowing these stories in the Old Testament. Why does he give you these stories of people? Because he still works in the lives of people today in the same way. And he wants you to be able to see himself working in your life so that you too are going to look up and say, what a God we've got. And look what he is doing. And he also gives me this word so that I can, from it, take that which I need to live my life now. And so, that I might have strength in times of affliction. Listen to this, Psalm 119. If your law, the word of God, had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. What the psalmist is saying is, boy, when life got so tough and I was going down, I would have gone down if it would not have been for your word. And listen to this. He gives me this book to pick me up when I'm down, in Psalm 19:7, the law again, the word of God is the Lord, perfect, renewing of the Lord. The word of the Lord is perfect, renewing the soul. And he gives it to me for my guiding and living. Listen, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. And he gives me the Bible in order to feed and nourish my spiritual life. Listen to this. This is Jesus talking to the devil out in the wilderness. It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know what that means? I'm not just physical. I've got a soul. I've got a spirit. And unless I, spirit, unless I feed this spirit, unless I feed this soul that's in here, my life is never going to be what God wants it to be. You see, I can't live by bread alone. There is so much more to life. And so God gives me his word to feed my soul, to feed my spirit, to feed the I am that's inside here. God gives that to me for a blessing. Listen, Luther said it this way, the word serves as a means, as a hollow reed through which God can feed us. So the question, why did God give us the Bible? It's very simple, because he loves us. And it's very personal. Why did God give you the Bible? Because he loves you, and he wants the best in life for you. Well, we've looked at the Bible, what it is, and why God gave it. 
And now in the next few minutes, let's just look at how He wants us to use it. It is a book. And if God gives us a book, what would you assume? He doesn't want us just to put it on the table and look at it. If He gives us a book, He wants us to do what? He wants us to read it, doesn't He? He wants us to read it. Listen to Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, Your words came and I ate them. And then listen to this. He goes on to say, And they were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name. I'm called by your name, God. And because of that, your word means so much to me. It is my delight and my joy. Listen to these words of Job. You know the story of Job. Job said this, I have treasured the word of his mouth more than my daily bread. And the Bereans said this, Acts 17, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And finally Paul writes this to the Colossians, Listen, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Listen to Joshua, God speaking to him. Do not let this book, the Bible, depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. So how do you use it? Well, you read it, you think about it. You let it soak into your heart and into your mind and into your soul. Question is, in spite of all that I've said, in spite of this wonderful book that God has given to us, why is there such ignorance of it in America. Why don't we read it? And the number one question, the number one answer given to that question when the pollsters ask that question is, I don't have time. I'm uh, just too busy. And yet as you hear that answer, then you also read that the average American spends six hours a day in front of the television and that by the time a person graduates from high school, he's going to have spent more time watching TV than he has sleeping. And it is true, isn't it, that we have time for what we want to have time. We have time, and I choose how I want to use my time. And what I think is important, that's how I use my time. Another answer that's given is sometimes this. It's confusing. It's confusing. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. And that's true. There are difficult parts. And you have to really study and dig into them to find them. But I also know that this is true in our today's world. There is a microwave mentality, which is called a microwave mentality when it comes to learning. If we can't get it in a few seconds, then we give up. We say, well, I can't understand that. And we close the book. When, of course, what is missing is focus and dis discipline and determination. Mm. We are the most blessed generation in history when it comes to helps when coming to the Bible. We have Bible dictionaries, we have Bible commentaries, we have DVDs, we have, we have tapes, we got all kinds of helps when it comes to the Bible. And we have lots of these over in our library, um, in our bookstore. Let me, as I close encourage you. Let me challenge you. Let me urge you. Let me plead with you if you are not now a Bible reader to become a Bible reader.
Because God has given you this wondrous book to give you a rich life, to introduce you to Jesus Christ, to help you grow spiritually, to help you love people, to help you have a better marriage, to help you relate to your children. That's why God has given this book to you, because he wants you to have a rich, full life. He wants you to have eternal life in heaven. So let me, once again, plead with you, challenge you, urge you to begin reading this book. Just a few minutes a day. That's how you start. Five or ten minutes, and you go on from there, the portals of prayer. The day to begin is not tomorrow. The day to begin is today. Amen.